I'd like to speak to you for a while tonight and teach you. I'm, God set me in the office of the teacher. And I'd like to teach you about success in life. Now, I've been in the ministry some 26 years since the Lord called me. And in my ministry, I've never had one paycheck. I don't count the offerings in my ministry. We have, we're building our fourth church. I never count the offerings in my ministry. If you send an envelope to my ministry for the unwed mother's home, or for the Bible college, or to feed kids, I never open that envelope. I never touch that envelope. I never touch the money. I have secretaries to touch the money. I do this because I'm called to do it. I don't do it. I make money for my businesses. I own some 12 businesses. And I make money for my businesses, and I don't, I'm not interested in counting the offerings or anything like that, you know. I'm just interested in having enough money in the different accounts to pay the bills. But we built four churches, just put the finishing touches on the church now for the students to preach in. And we've got four churches, and we've never taken up an offering to build either one of them. You've probably never heard that before in America in your life, from anybody. Hear what I said to you? We built four churches, never have taken up an offering in the church or on the road to build either one of them. And I, I believe I have enough faith to build a church every year for God. I've asked him if he'd let me to build a church for him at least one, one a year for the rest of my life. I don't have the faith of Abraham yet, but I've got enough faith, I believe, to believe God for money to build a church with at least once a year. And never even take up an offering from the people. Now, I believe in taking up offerings from people to build the church. I believe in you people giving money to build this church and paying their bills. That's the way to do it. That's the normal way to do it. But God just showed me what he'd do for me one day, and I didn't know it. But he showed me what he'd do if I would pay the price and if I would please him. So I had to learn from God to please him. And when he came and manifested himself to me for 26 years ago, I didn't, uh, I didn't know that anything about God to speak of. I was First Baptist. Didn't even know that similar of God people were on earth. Our Church of God, our Pentecostal people, or people that talk funny, I had no earthly idea. I had no idea that you were even living. Because I lived in a First Baptist world and I had no idea what you believed or what you didn't believe. So I moved from Indianapolis, Indiana, where the Lord visited me. I moved to Cleveland, Tennessee. But I found out that t Tennessee was loaded with Pentecostal people. But I didn't know, I still didn't know what they believed. Until one day I bought a restaurant. I'd been living in Cleveland, Tennessee for seven months, over 25 years ago. And I bought a restaurant that one day, and about a week after I, about a week after I bought a restaurant, there was a man came in there, a Pentecostal, and I didn't know he was a Pentecostal preacher, but it wouldn't have made any difference to me. Just a fellow came in there and said, can I talk to the new owner of the restaurant? They came over to me and said, Mr. Hayes, the minister here uh, wants to see you. I said, all right. I went over and I said, my name is Norval Hayes. He says, well, I'm pastor so-and-so here in town. He says, my, uh, 
This restaurant used to uh, uh, sponsor a daily radio broadcast of mine and pay for one program per day. He said, I've been on the radio here in town some 20 years every day. And he said, they used to pay for a program a day. And he said, I just thought I'd come by and see you and see if you want to continue doing that. When he said that to me, the Spirit of God said to me, I want you to talk to him. But I didn't know anything about him having a storehouse in town for the poor, working with little poor kids, and reaching out to helping beaten down humanity. I, had, I, didn't, I, know, I, didn't, I didn't even know the man. But see, God knew him and God knew how he thought. Now I always remember this, people. You can't learn anything from somebody that don't know anything. Do you understand that? But God knew that the Pentecostal preacher would help people all the time, continuously, and feed them. But Dr. Pruitt, the pastor of the First Baptist Church where I come from, we didn't have any of that kind of program. Now, churches are supposed to have that kind of a program to help widows and divorcees and hungry people. They're supposed to, but for some strange reason, the First Baptist Church, we didn't have one that I knew anything about. So I'd been exposed to a thing like that. And then God said to me, and since the Lord came to visit me in my car, I began to pray. I started praying a lot, just praying in English. My mother was an old-fashioned Baptist Christian, and before she died of cancer at the age of 37, she used to pray a lot. So I remember I, I was 10 years old when she passed away, and I remember her praying a lot. So when God came to visit me, I, I would pray. And two or three times a week when I would pray, the Lord would visit me again. But I didn't know what he wanted me to do. He just visited me and blessed me so much I couldn't understand it. But I didn't know what he wanted me to do. And so I asked the Pentecostal preacher. I didn't know he was Pentecostal. I just thought he was a preacher. He said, I said, sir, would, would you be willing to talk to me? My office is across the street. And he said, yes, I would. Sure, Mr. Hayes, if you want me to. I said, all right, let's go across the street. I'm going to talk to you. I mean, God told me, he said, I want you to talk to him. And so I took him across the street to my office, set him down in my office, and I told him a lot more in detail what I told you, but I told him what happened to me about seven months before that, walking out of the executive meeting one night, getting in my car, driving, how the Lord came to me for an hour and a half. And I said, ever since that time, he, he manifests himself to me, <clears throat> and he, he blesses me and so forth. <clears throat> and I hunt Baptist revivals all the time. And I, I was so hungry for God that I found out <clears throat> if I went to Southern Baptist churches up in the mountains where the men, <clears throat> the pastors, didn't have much education and they just preached like a house of fire up at the mountain. You know, Baptists have got, you know, 15,000 churches. I mean, I mean, 40,000 40, churches, you get 15 million members and 40,000 churches. And uh, I said, dear God, I said, I, <clears throat> these little fellows, they preach and the presence of God is here. 
And I would just sit there and I would weep and I'd weep and I'd weep and I'd get blessed. I'd go back downtown, go to the downtown churches and I wouldn't get nothing. And neither did they. Because I would look at them and they all look like students. As far as I could see, there wasn't nobody getting nothing. And I started wondering, I wonder what they're going here for. And so I'd get in my car and I would search the newspapers for Baptist revivals. And I'd go up in the mountains and way out in the country and I'd drive and I'd drive and I'd drove for seven months. Brother, I drove and drove and I'd go to every revival I could find. And I'd just sit there and I'd preach some old-fashioned Baptist sermons. I'd just sit there and weep and weep and weep. But I, I had to go out in the country to get it. I had to go up in the mountains in little teeny churches to get it. You can't get it downtown if it's not there. Wherever you go to church, you get what they got. Whatever kind of spirit they got, that's what you'll get. If they don't have anything, you won't ever have anything. The worst or the best thing that ever happened to you is the company you keep. Especially church company. God told me when I began to pray years after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, God began to told me after the third day of praying, my mother died with cancer because where she went to church, nobody ever taught her about his divine healing power. Sure, son, if somebody had taught her, she could have believed it. Nobody ever taught her about my, my divine healing power. But you teach them. And so I tell everybody everywhere that Jesus will heal you. I tell everybody everywhere I go that Jesus is the best surgeon I ever met. Now I watch him operate on people all the time. I mean, he will absolutely perform surgery on you. I mean, if you got one kidney, you want another one, he'll give it to you. I mean, you just might as well know that. He, he, there is nothing that God won't do for you. I mean, God loves you enough, he'll do anything for you. So the Pentecostal preacher sat there and he says, well, he says, Mr. Hayes, he said, I'm Pentecostal myself. And I says, well, what is that? He says, well, he says, uh, we believe about the same way you do, except we believe that Jesus heals people. And I says, heals people? I said, my mother died with cancer. Why, why didn't he heal her? He said, well, I don't know. But he said, we, we, we preach that Jesus heals people. And uh, he said, we preach that, uh, you know, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive power from on high. I said, well, I, I believe in power, receiving power, all the power you can get. I said, Pastor, now I've told you my story. I want to ask you a question. What do you think God's going to do with a man like me? I mean, what does God want with me? I mean, <laughs> I thought God called preachers. I said, I'm, a, I'm an executive in a corporation in a business world. And I make thousands of dollars a week. And I've got my own home paid for and all four of my Cadillacs paid for and everything paid for. And I've got safety deposit boxes full of money. I said, I don't need nothing from nobody. I said, but what is God... What, what does God want with me? He says, well, he wants for you to start doing the little things, normal. I said, I beg your pardon. 
He said, God wants you to start doing the little things. I said, what is little things? He said, well, get involved and feed the poor. I said, well, I never fed no poor. He said, help little children. He said, go, <clears throat> you seem to love young people. Go help high school students respect the principal and respect the school and respect their parents and respect the law. Go talk to high school students and college kids. Put on high school assemblies. Get businessmen to come to church. Go over to the city dump and help feed poor people. I says, well, I never got involved. I've never done anything like that. And one day he called me up and wanted me to come over to his church and teach a Sunday school class, and so I did. And the Lord told me to stay there, and the Lord said, I want you to help him, and I want you to go with him. So I went with this fellow, and I'm just explaining to you the first night, basically, of what happened to me. I mean, how I got like this. <laughs> it's not easy to get this way, people. And uh, so you have to work at it. You have to listen to God to get this way. And so I, I would go with him and somebody's house would burn down. Now he's the only pastor, the only person I ever met in my life was like this, but he was. Somebody's house would burn down. It would make no difference to him if he knew him or didn't know him. He'd go over and see him. He'd say, how many members in your family? Well, I have a wife and two children. Do you have any insurance? No. Well, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. You have any place to go? No. He said, well, I'll find you a place to live for a few days until I can get you a house full of furniture. He said, just leave it to me. And he said, you have no insurance, you have no nothing. He said, I'll get you a house full of furniture for free. He said, you will? And the fellow may say, well, how are you going to do that? He said, just leave it to me. I, I've been trained. So he'd find him a place to stay, and then I'd go with him, and he'd say, okay, now let's, let's go to a stove. Let's, let's go get him a stove first. Well, he said, he'd tell me, he says, now, 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 Brother Norval, if you want to get a stove for a poor family that has none, you have to have sense enough to go to some place where they have stoves. <laughs> I said, well, that sounds reasonable. So we'd go, go someplace where they had stoves, and he said, don't talk to straw bosses and don't talk to clerks. You can't never get nothing from straw bosses and clerks. He said, go to the top, talk to the owner, or talk to the president, talk to the top man. So he'd go in, he'd say, I'm Reverend so-and-so, and I would like to speak to so-and-so. He'd have the man's name before he ever went there. And so when he got time to see us, we'd go in the office. He'd say, my name is Reverend so-and-so, and he says, um, I don't know if you read in the paper or not about the <clears throat> Smith family, the house burning down three or four days ago. He had no insurance, he has a wife and two children, and I'm helping him in, to get some new furniture, and I thought maybe you might have some kind of a stove that you might want to donate. Do you have one like that, sir? I just felt like you might want to do that, you know. And he said, uh, 
And the way he put it, he was so nice about it. The way he put it, you kind of felt like a dog if you didn't give him a stove. So, if the guy had a free heart, he'd give it to him right away. But if he's a stingy fellow, he couldn't hardly say no, so he'd start mumbling. Well, well, I mean, I don't let me talk to you. And if he mumbled very long, then he would say, well, it could be a new one or it'd be a used one, either one. Just, and just look at him real humble and say, uh, <laughs> Mr. Jones, just anything you can do to help the family. I mean, time he got through talking to them, I want to give him a stove myself. I want to take one out of my house and give it to him. And so we'd get a stove and then we'd go to a place where they had couches and chairs and he'd get them that. In two weeks' time, he'd have a whole house full of furniture that'd be free. Have the whole house furnished, everything would be paid for. And then we would go to Chattanooga and get a pickup truck load of Brock Candy. Brock Candy companies in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They'd give us a ton, a ton of candy. I mean, when I was a kid, I'd have went nuts riding in the back of a pickup truck with a ton load of candy. <laughs> a ton of candy. And we'd sack it up in little sacks and give it to little poor kids who had come to church on a Sunday and take a van, give away snowballs and Bibles on Saturday and knock on about 200 doors. When I started working with him, we had one school bus, I believe it was. <clears throat> At the end of my seven-year reign with him, we had eight school buses, all of them full of children. We had so many children, had so many little poor children, But so many little poor children to come to church, we had to build it. We couldn't even have no room for the people to sit in the sanctuary. So we had to build another church beside of the main sanctuary. I built a whole other church beside it and we call it the little people's church. We had a pastor fighting. We, we had Tennessee's largest, we had the state's largest retarded Sunday school class. And the state gave us a bus because we had the largest retarded, little retarded children, the Sunday school class. We're the largest one in the state. But we would go out and get them. And so I was working that way, you know, and I worked for seven years at the city dump, taking food and praying for people. And, and uh, I got involved also in raising money. I'd bring the daughter down there into town, and I'm the one that created that saying that they used for years, an evening with the Rambos. I remember one day at one time I booked Dottie Rambo to come in and hold a concert for me and I put, I gave tickets out all over town, an evening with Dottie Rambo. And when she came and saw that, she said, oh, I love that saying, an evening with Dottie Rambo. She said, that sounds classy. I said, well, you're a classy lady, aren't you? Oh, you sure. And so I noticed on their advertising, after that, they begin to use it themselves, you know, an evening with the Rambos. But I'd raise money, I'd <coughs> bring Box Spear in and Ben, you know, and different kind of groups like that and raise money, and I'd raise money and have a, a, start a coffee house for street kids. And we had the coffee house for seven years. Every Thursday night, we would rent a hotel ballroom in Cleveland, Tennessee, and we had a coffee house there 
every Thursday night for seven years and we'd bring get Christian kids to bring street kids in and get them saved. Now I begin to put on, I begin, me and Nikki Cruz and different ones begin to put on high school assemblies. And I started putting on high school assemblies, so I went, I went to 12 high schools, principals, and talked to them in Chattanooga and Athens and uh, Cleveland and Charleston, Benton and over in Dayton. And I had 12 high school principals to say yes to me when I go in and talk to them that I could bring speakers and put on high school assemblies to try to get the kids off of dope try to get them to respect the school, respect their parents. Now I noticed when I put on a high school assembly, even if I, when I set it up, and Nicky Cruz was standing up there giving his testimony to him. I noticed I'd be, sometimes I'd be in the back, sometimes I'd be on the stage, and the Spirit of God would come on me, and God would start blessing me so much I couldn't understand it. And I noticed sometimes when I'd go to the grocery store, and I'd fill up my bags full of groceries, and I'd carry them over to some poor house, you know. I'd park my Cadillac outside and take them in. Sometimes it'd be raining, you know, and I'd carry those groceries into the poor family. The husband had usually drank too much and left for another woman. Left this poor soul there, this poor woman there with about five or six children. Sometimes it'd be raining through the ceiling. They'd have buckets all over the room trying to catch the water. The beds would have no bedspreads on them. The little children, all of them are dirty and filthy, look like they hadn't took a bath in six months. She's got one or two on her hip and two or three crying here and one here over here and one back here and all of them crying out for food. And I'd walk in there with bags of groceries like this, been out in the rain and I'm wet and the groceries are wet. Them little old kids would pull the bottom out of the bags like this and if there's a bag of potato chips, they'd just tear it open like this and just... They'd had no food in two or three days. And I noticed sometimes when I do that, I'd leave the house. Before I could ever get to my car, the power of God would hit me, and I'd fall against the house. Our God would start blessing me so much I couldn't hardly stand it. I'd stand there, and I would cry and laugh all at the same time, and cry and laugh all at the same time. And so I, now listen to me, church. I began to pick up things from the Bible and begin to pick up things from God in my own spirit what a human being needed to do to please the Lord. And I said, well, Jesus, I threw my life away for years for nothing. So if this pleases you for me to help people that's beaten down and have nobody to help them, I said, I'll just help that kind the rest of my life. I said, I'll help them. I'll do anything you want me to do. Now listen to me, people. I was not looking for a public ministry such as this. I didn't want a public ministry that I have now. I didn't ask for it. All I wanted to do was feed the poor, raise money to help people and do that just the best I could do. I was getting blessed, so much blessings. I was willing to start off what some public speakers call the bottom, but the Bible says that sometimes it's good to put the last things first and the first things last. So I'm not sure if those things that you and me call the little things 
are not the best things. You understand that? Uh, the minister you're seeing now, of me standing up here speaking, or a singer coming up here and singing, I'm not sure that that is God's best ministry. I feel like down deep in my spirit that people that are willing to be missionaries and people are willing to feed the poor and are willing to go over to the city dump and pray for people and go to jails. I believe in my own heart and I really believe it that that's probably God's highest type of ministry. Well, I know sometimes the church don't look at it that way and people don't, don't, don't show those kind of people a lot of respect. <clears throat> but I've already been there. And the reason I have this kind of a ministry now is because after seven years in the ministry of helps, the Spirit of God said to me, Now then, son, I want you to go teach my people what I have taught you. And so I began to teach some. And I still do work. And I'm sitting in my business office one day. And the Spirit of the Lord came up on me in my office. And said to me, this is plain. This coming Easter, I don't want you to buy your new suit. Go to church with all of your relatives. Go to dinner with all of your relatives after church on Easter like you've been doing for years. And sit around all Easter afternoon, look at the cousins and nephews, and talk about a whole bunch of nothing. Well, listen to me. The Lord said, you have proved to me that you care See, if you don't care, God can't use you. He said, you have proved to me that you care about young people. He said, son, this Easter, I want you to go to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and minister to college's kids, pass out tracts, and pray for them. There will be hundreds of thousands. It's good to have a good relationship with your relatives, but your relatives will be here the week after Easter. You can see them later. But Easter week, they all gather together, hundreds of thousands of them, the Lord told me at Fort Lauderdale Beach. They'll be committing sex in the sand. And they will be taking drugs and dying of overdosing their drugs. And many of them will get so drunk they'll jump out the hotel windows and kill themselves. And I want you to go and reach out to them to pass out tracks for a week. And I don't want you to miss this part because if you miss this part you can miss the whole four-day seminar. Don't miss this part. 
I'll spend the next four nights teaching you the benefits and what God wants for a human being and what God will do for you. The only tell you, thing I can tell you is what God did for me and what he'll do for one, he'll do for the other. Now, to be successful financially, how can a person be successful in life? Or to be successful in life, my brother and sister, is not just to have or create and have a lot of money or have a bunch of things that is not being successful in life. As far as the world standards are concerned, they will tell you it, it is, but it's really not. Being successful in life, even as a Christian, basically you will never be successful in life as a Christian unless you know and live in the fruits of the Spirit. You understand that? You have to come to a place that you all can enjoy, that you have and you possess, and you have peace from Almighty God. You have contentment. And you have the joy of the Lord in your life. You have God's power in your life. And above all things in your life, listen closely, you have the spirit of patience. Because I always remember this. Unless you possess the spirit of patience, you won't get to enjoy much of the rest of it. Because faith in God is patience. If you can't have patience, you can't even have faith. Because, see, faith don't wear a watch. Faith cannot tell time. There is no time span in faith between the prayer that you pray to God for something and the manifestation. No man knows the time span between the asking and the manifestation. No man knows the time span. Sometimes God will heal you in a split second. Sometimes you may take two years. No man can tell you the time span where faith is concerned. Faith cannot tell time. God wants you to believe him regardless of what you see. You believe God by his word. We walk with God by faith and not by sight. Faith is not seen. So you're not going to be successful by just creating a lot of things or having a lot of money. That is not the way you find success. The way you find success is having the fruits of the Spirit to operate in your life all the time. The joy of the Lord so you can have strength, peace, contentment, and patience, and love, and love everybody the same. You say, I just can't love people. I just can't love filthy people. And I, <clears throat> I have a nice car, a nice home, and my family smells good and stuff, and these people are so stinking. Uh, well, tell me about it. I've already been there. I used to work at the city dump all the time. Uh, but God showed me one day at the city dump what to do. I was over there and I was praying for a woman in a house. 
that you can't even imagine in your mind of the filth. She must have weighed 400 pounds. She was bigger than the bed nearly. And I'm sure she hadn't changed the sheets in six months on the bed. Roaches in bed with her and everything. I mean, the sheets were slick and roaches in bed with her. You can't believe how the place stunk. And I was trying to pray for her and I started gagging. I, I, you know, I couldn't stand it. So the Lord showed me what to do. He said, just hold your nose and pray. So I, so I just said, well, I will not be denied. I'll hold my nose. I said, Jesus, bless this woman, Lord. Look, God, let your healing power go into this woman. In Jesus' name, Jesus, bless this woman, Lord. Well, there's always remember this. Where there's a will, there's a way. Maybe you don't know the way, but God does. Well, God loved that filthy woman. And brother, she was filthy, I can tell you that. You got on the front lines, it's amazing what you see. You can't even believe that people live like that. But some of them do. And boy, <clears throat> did I ever get a... That was, a day, that was one day in my life that I will never forget. Because in the Bible, you know, you, you hear about God talking to people with a voice. You know, God talked to Peter on the housetop and he's on the housetop and praying and fell into a trance. And saw a vision let down from heaven three times, creeping things and fowls of the air, and like a sheet let down from heaven three times, and Peter heard a voice from heaven, said, Slay and eat. The Bible said that Peter heard a voice from heaven. John on the Isle of Patmos said, I heard a great voice behind me as of trumpet on the Lord's day. Heard a great voice talking to me as the sounds of a trumpet. I heard a voice. Heard a great voice talking to me, John said on the Isle of Patmos. As the sounds of a trumpet heard a great voice talking to me. Not very many days, but that day from heaven I heard a great voice. I left the house where the woman was so big and so filthy. I walked across the street. This little gravel road, the city dump, I walked across there. There was a slab shack there under a tree. I walked in there, must have been 40,000 flies there. And a little kid walked up to me, a little girl about this high with a milk bottle. And she said, Mr., and she was just as dirty as the kids across, people across the street. She said, Mr., we don't have any food in our house. So this is all the milk the baby's got. I looked over at the side of the wall. There's a wall, hole in the wall you can throw a cat through. Now this shack was made out of slabs. Some Lee College students, pioneers for Christ, the mission department had found this woman sleeping under a tree with two children. And the kids of pioneers for Christ built that house for her. Just slabs and nails and stuff you know. Well, a slab house is a lot better than sleeping under a tree. And said, so this is all the milk the baby's got. And so many flies in there, I couldn't hardly see her. And when she said that to me, a big lump came in my throat. And I'm standing there and I can't talk because God's trying to bless me, you know it. A big lump came in my throat and I can't get it out and, and I'm trying to cry all at the same time. 
Spirit of God has come up on me and I couldn't do anything. And I walked through those flies and I walked outside. I never will forget, I walked outside and I said, God, <clears throat> hey God, is this my ministry? I mean, you're stinking people and flies. God, is this a ministry I get for leaving the First Baptist Church? Listen to the voice that came back from heaven to me. Shut me. Be faithful to me here, son, and I will promote you, and I will set you on a high hill, and the light will shine down to many men from you. Go in peace, in Jesus' name. Be faithful to me here, and I'll promote you. I wasn't looking for promotions. Always remember, God will not promote you if he can't trust you. Now listen to me closely. And if God don't ever do anything for you, there's something wrong with you. You're not reaching out to a lost and dying world. I didn't know that. But I'll, everybody say obedience is better than sacrifice. So when God told me to go to Fort Lauderdale, I said, I told my secretary, I said, if God don't stop dealing with me, I'm going to Fort Lauderdale. Pass out tracts for a week and pray for, for college students. And he didn't stop and I went. Now if you want to be successful financially, you're going to have to be successful spiritually first. I mean, let me explain to you real quick. There's a lot of people in the world that's got a lot of money, rich, totally rich, with billions and millions of dollars, that's crooked. I mean, you can make a lot of money being crooked if you don't make a lot of money. The mafia is rich. You understand that? There's another way you can be successful. Work for sinner and saint the same way. It's called being honest. Anybody, I don't care who you are, you can go to the University of Florida and get a degree, or you can just learn some kind of a trade. But if you'll be faithful to your employer, and you'll be loyal, and you'll speak good things about your employer, I'll guarantee you that every corporation in the world, I've been an employer for years and years and years, I am no different than anybody else. Every employer is waiting to find people that's loyal, I mean totally loyal, that they can trust. That's a good worker and faithful and dependable. And if you'll do that and be at work on time and do what you're supposed to do, not only will the corporation promote you, God will see to it they promote you. Some people says to me, can I talk to you, Brother Norval? I think I need to talk to you. I, you know, uh, two years ago I quit my job. I have a wife and two children. And two years ago I quit my job because God told me to quit my job and live by faith 
because he's going to give me the Moses spirit. I said, oh, really? I said, you need to talk to me real bad because I will cast that Moses spirit out of you. And I will put you and I will send you to the employment office suffice to make your head swim. I said, God said, a man that don't work, don't eat. I said, you are disobeying God. Did you eat a meal yesterday? He said, yes. I said, you're in direct obedience against God, disobedience against God. He said, why? I said, God said, a man that won't work, don't eat. I said, you won't work, so if he eats, you're disobeying God. If you, if you won't work and you're not worth anything, uh, God wants you to die and get off the earth. He has no use for you. He can't ever use you. He wants you to die and get off the earth. I said, you're supposed to get a job and raise your family and obey God. God didn't call no man to quit his job and let his family suffer and walk around real spiritual and live by faith. Live by faith. Well, bless God, I have the Moses spirit and I'm living by faith. Yeah, well, you come around me and I'll cast that Moses spirit out of you and send you straight to the employment office so your wife and children can eat. You can hold your chin up in your hometown and pay your bills. Some people think when they get saved and spirit for them to do anything they want to, but you can't. You still got a Bible. Now let me have your Bibles with you. Okay, I want to show you the scripture here because now you need to see the scripture. Turn with me, please, to the third John. <clears throat> now that's not the third chapter of John, that's the third epistle of John. Third John. Because I'm about to get into something here that will blow your mind, and it blew my mind. It just about blew my mind, and I, I didn't know, I, I mean, I, I couldn't even believe it. When God did it to me, I couldn't believe it. <clears throat> and I, I don't want you to go out of here with the wrong kind of a spirit, the wrong kind of attitude. I want you to understand how God works. I'll do my best the next four nights to teach you how God works and how God will bless you. And there is not one person in this building that God will not bless, I can tell you that. Because I know you're not as ignorant as I was when God came to visit me. I didn't know anything about God at all to speak of. I knew he saved people, but I didn't know how God worked, or healing of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or getting people off of drugs and things like that, you know. Or I didn't know the benefits of feeding the poor or helping people. I knew nothing about it at all. Third John, the second verse. Listen to God's word. That way you can get your finances, your finances straightened out. God says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would be rich. Well, let's read that again. Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd be wealthy. Well, it all means the same thing. Let's read it again. Let's read it like it is now. God says, Beloved, and I want everybody in the building to say, I am God's beloved. Well, you are God's beloved. God doesn't love anybody in the world more than he does you. Get that kind of junk out of your mind that God will not help you do great things in your life. I know he will do it. Our God will not bless you with great blessings. I know he will bless you with great blessings. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou, that you may us prosper 
and be in health even as thy soul prosper let me read that person even as thy soul prosper one day I was reading that <clears throat> I want you to notice that again one day I was reading that over again and over and over again and over and over again and over and over again and I saw in the word look down there it says even 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 and God stood that word out for me even just like here I hear is even that's straight even and I said Lord there's a lot of church members that are sick and broke they love you they're sick and broke so I can't help them unless it happens through somebody else's ministry if somebody comes by has a healing ministry I've given them they can pray for them they, they, they can be healed that way and he said, every person shall prosper financially. Now listen to me. And God said, I will see to it that they do. And they will prosper health-wise. On the same level, even our level, on the same level that their soul prospers. Everybody is the same way, son. You are not a special case. You just decided that your soul prosper. I said, yes, I did, Jesus. I did. I, I, I did. I walked away from the executive office to feed poor people and to help kids and to help broken-hearted people. I did. I did. Yes, I did, Jesus. I did that. And I didn't. I didn't tell anybody about it, but. For several years, my business suffered because I couldn't give it natural attention. My business did. For several years, it suffered because I couldn't give it enough natural attention. You're supposed to take care of your business as far as that's concerned, but you can't take just care of your business and not do anything for God. You understand that? That's where we business spend and people get in trouble. The Bible said, he that doeth with a slack hand and maketh the wrong. Now, if I had to, do over, if I had to do, do over again, this is what I would do. I'd keep in my businesses, when I was successful, making $5,000 a week, I would get on in the floor in my office, and I'd close the door, and I would worship the Lord. And I would help people in my time, in my spare time when I could. But see, I was climbing my way up to a ladder of success, and I made it to the executive position with a $5,000 a week 26 years ago. That's not too bad now. It's more than a governor makes. But that was top money 26 years ago. And I was so... But, but you see, and, and then I come along, I didn't know what kind of a terrible shape I was in. And when my, my foundation, God came along and he crumbled my little empire that I'd built. God's not interested in your financial empires that you built and become filthy rich, not helping anybody. And besides that, most people that does that, they don't even know, they don't even know what, how to be blessed financially. They think, well, I, 
I have to kill myself. And yeah, you do. I like to kill myself. I become a slave to my corporation. And I like, I like to kill myself working and taking care of things. But I made it to the executive office in my late 20s. I made it. But I clawed and scratched and worked and clawed and scratched and worked and worked hard. And I was honest about it though. But I worked and I mean I worked like a slave. And I made it there. And then God come along and demolished the thing. I mean, he said, I want you to start helping the poor. I want you to start doing this. Now, I want you to get this part real close. And by taking care of your business and learning a trade, you can be successful financially. But you know, there's a third way of being successful financially that most Christians don't know anything about at all. I didn't know anything about it. And I, did, I, I had to find it out just find it out by experience. That's the reason I can teach it to you. So I got my clothes ready beginning of Easter week and I headed for Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Now here I am, an executive, going to Fort Lauderdale, Florida to pass out tracks. That is not the usual person that goes to Fort Lauderdale, Florida and pass out tracks. But on my way to Fort Lauderdale, I had left home very long. On my way to Fort Lauderdale, the Spirit of God came and overshadowed me, and I began to break and weep and cry. And I heard the Lord say to me the first time in my life, now I want you to get this, Son, you are in my perfect will by going on this trip. You are in my perfect will by going on this trip. Everybody say perfect. Well, I guarantee you one thing, God had never told me that before. Not in my lifetime had he ever told me that I was in his perfect will. And I'm convinced that most human beings operate in some phase of God's permissive will. I know sometimes we do things to please God. But brother, when you get over into God's perfect will, and I sure don't stay in God's perfect will all the time, but boy, I sure am happy when I get there. Nothing thrills me any more than knowing that I please the Lord. So I go to Fort Lauderdale and I found out that I wasn't the only one there passing out tracks. I found out there's some other young people there. Some of them spotted me. Oh, Brother Noble, come over here and help us and teach some for us. And uh, if you come over, we, we got a building here called the Garden Building here close to the beach, Noble. If you come over here and speak to us at nighttime, and lay your hands on them and pray for them. No, I won't. And speak to us. We'll go get the dopers and bring them in to the building. And I says, well, uh, why not? So, brother, we just started an instant meeting all of a sudden. And the place was full. And I mean, God would just absolutely anoint me so strong. I've seen kids come in there and just strung out on drugs, don't even know who they are. And all of a sudden, just fall out of their seat on the floor and cry and cry and cry and totally get delivered. I mean, absolutely, totally get delivered. On the way back home, everybody say on the way back home, I got the shock of my life. I'm riding out in the country in the state of Florida here. Riding out in the country in a car and the Spirit of God come upon me. My daughter was driving the car. I fell across the dash and began to cry and weep out in the country. 
I wasn't even thinking about anything like that. And I heard one word said to me, he said, property. My daughter thought I was having a heart attack. She says, I, thought I just fell over the dash on the passenger's side and began to hold on the dash and began to cry and weep and weep and weep. God hit me that strong. But the moment he hit me, he says, property. And that's all he said. You know, God will write you a book. Well, he won't. <clears throat> and so I says, Zona, Zona, listen, honey. I said, the Lord spoke to me, honey. The Lord spoke to me. She said, Daddy, what's wrong with you? having a heart attack. Daddy, Daddy, what's wrong with you, Daddy? I said, honey, the Lord spoke to me, darling. I said, the Lord spoke to me. He said, property to me. Property. Zona, property. I got to do something about this property here. Property, Zona, property. I wound up buying one piece of property there. $13,000 sold it for 89 got one piece for 155000 sold it for 900000 never worked one day never worked one day I said so Dear God in heaven, I said, is this the way you become a millionaire, God? Just all of a sudden you are? He said, if you, only if you put me first. He said, I've told you in my word, son, put the gospel first and I will add all other things to you. And I watch you every day to see what you do with your time and if you have a heart to help people or not. And I will let your, as your soul prospers, so shall your money and so shall your health. Do you know something? If you don't allow your soul to prosper, now listen closely. I know you're not going to like this, but it's the truth. If you don't allow your soul to prosper, that even though you're saved and spirit-filled, the curses of the world will come up on you. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, if you don't allow your soul to prosper, you leave an open spot in your life for devils to come in and do what they want to do. You understand that? But if I can talk you in tonight to allowing your soul to prosper, and you'll claim your rights in Christ Jesus, I am telling you that God himself will build a hedge around you. And your angels that's been assigned to you will stick close to you. And they will, your angels will actually do things for you. If your angels can see you helping poor people, praying for people, and helping beating down humanity, your angels will actually work for you and help you do things, and they will actually do things for you. Do you understand that? Angels are ministering spirits, but you can't put any, you can't put any religious tricks on angels. Angels only respond to you and help you when you glorify and praise the name of Jesus, when you worship Jesus, or when you help somebody. When you're doing something and Jesus said, well, if you don't
to them that needs it, you wouldn't do it to me. If you do do it to those that needs it, you would do it to me. So helping human beings is the same thing as you responding to Jesus. Going someplace and feeding a poor person is exactly the same thing. Everybody say exactly. It's exactly the same thing if Jesus was hungry. I guarantee you, and if you knew it, you would take him some food that quick. Do you understand that? And I know you would. The person over here that's hungry that needs somebody to help them, if you will help that person, you will get the same kind of a blessing if that had been Jesus over there hungry and you took him some food. The same kind of blessing. But this is a problem that a lot of people get into Christians because, see, God will watch your life. He will watch you. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the earth and he watches you. And he sees how sincere you are. He watches everything you do or say. And he puts it down, my brother and sister. I'm telling you, boldly, he puts it down. Now, when you get a list of things that's big enough and strong enough that requires him to give you a certain kind of blessing, he will manifest himself to you and he'll give it to you. He will watch you sometimes for two, three, four, five, six, seven years. Now you may not, you may, I didn't even know that he did things like that. But he does though. Now you can have peace and joy and come to this church and just be nice. But if you want great bountiful blessings to come to you, and if you want diseases to depart from you, Start taking authority over that disease in Jesus' name. I don't care if it's cancer. And you say that cancer, cancer. Get out of me in Jesus' name. I bind you up. My body belongs to God. You, you have no right to me. Cancer, I'm taking authority over you and I command you. Come out of me. Cancer, you go from me in Jesus' name. And go out and tell people that Jesus is your healer and you pray for the sick. And I'll guarantee you, your disease will disappear. But if you're going to sit around the house, you know, like some full gospel people do, and just kind of wait and see what happens, and maybe I'll get this one to pray for me, and that one to pray for me, and this one to pray for me, and that one to pray for me, to see what will happen. Well, most of the time, you'll find out what will happen, because you'll be in heaven before long. Because cancer is a ruthless enemy to the human race. You have to make cancer obey you, my brother and sister. You can make it obey you with authority if you know who you are in Christ Jesus. But let me say to you, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosper. Now then, I want you to take your pen and papers and I'm going to give you tonight, I want to build a foundation in your life tonight. But before the week is over, I'll be praying for the sick and doing a lot of things as the Lord leads. But I want to build a foundation in your life tonight so you'd know. But I want you to take your pen and paper now. If you're interested in this at all, I want you to take your pen and paper. And there's seven things, my brother and sister, that God said in the Old Testament. You have a better, you have a better one now in the New Testament. Third John, the second verse is in the New Testament. One of you boys get me some more water.
Oh, look at there. That's what you call being on the ball. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. There's seven things in the Old Testament that God said why he made four kings prosperous. Why he made them successful, financially and otherwise. Seven things. Now the kings, if you want to take them down, number one is Hezekiah. Number two is Asia, A-S-A. -A. That was his name. Number three, Jehoshaphat. Number four, David. And as you know, David messed up. So what? You and me has messed up more than once. You know what I mean? Everybody say, Jesus is in the forgiving business. It doesn't make a difference what you've done. He'll forgive you and restore you. Not only forgive you, he'll forget all about it. Now these promises, under those four kings, these, their priority, these four kings, their priorities were in line for success. God said, these four people. He said, that's the reason I made them, to, I made them, I made them to become prosperous. The first thing that God says that a human being must do if you want to have great big financial blessings, big spiritual blessings, and big physical blessings to keep you well and healthy, he said the first thing that a human being must do all the time, I'm, and I don't mean every moment of the day, but, but every week, all the time, several times a week, you must, number one, worship God. And do you know that Many Christians don't worship God. Well, they don't. I like to worship God every day. This morning before I come to service, well, did you pray in the tongues a little bit double? I pray in tongues a little bit, yeah, yeah, to keep myself built up in God. Sometimes I pray in English to keep my mind built up. You know, praying in... Praying in English keeps your mind built up, keeps your mind edified, that you can think straight. Praying in the Spirit keeps your spirit man built up, that you'll go out and do something for God. Keep yourself built up. Do you know why that you don't do anything for God? It's because you're not built up strong enough. You don't have the joy of the Lord flowing through you. You're not built up to that degree. You need to be built up, my brother and sister. You need to be built up, built up. And look at it as a privilege to do something for God. I look at it as an honor to feed a poor family. I don't look at it as a grudge. I got to go over here and do this. Why? It don't make no difference to me. I mean, are you kidding me? I like to do something for somebody. I like to do something for somebody. It's not a grudge to me to fix a meal for a hobo. No, no, but I'm not going to fix no meal for no hobo. Comes to my house. Well, I, okay. Send me to my house. I will. I think it's an honor. Because if I was in his shape, boy, I sure would love it if you'd fix me one. You understand that? Worship God. That's number one. This morning before I came to service, 
like I'll be doing in the morning when I wake up. I raise my hands and worship the Lord. Listen to me, church. Look at me. Listen closely. And you'll learn some little nuggets these four nights that'll help you that'll totally change your life. What God sees you do in secret that pleases Him, He rewards you openly. When He looks down in your bedroom or my motel room or wherever you and me might be, to start your day off right, and if He sees you worshiping the Lord, now praying is wonderful, but not just praying and asking for things. Jesus is not just a gimme, 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 Jesus. Gimme, 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 Jesus. Gimme, 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 Jesus. Oh, God, I'm in trouble. I think I'll pray real hard. No. God wants to see you make it a way of living and worship Him when there's nothing wrong, my brother and sister. And spend time worshiping Him and praising Him. And letting Him know there'll be no false gods in your life before Him. That you believe that He's the only true and living God and you worship Him. And it won't be very long. You know what will happen to you? Same thing will happen to me. It won't be very long until your room will be full of the presence of God. My God, what an honor it is to worship a God that loves you so much. Worship Him. You understand that? Worship Him. And please put under there, in the back room alone, businessmen, you want your business to be blessed? Listen to me. About the first time, you, about the first day you think you're so busy, I mean you are covered up with work, brother, and you don't have time for nothing, and you know you don't, may not even get to go to lunch. Right then, let me tell you a secret what to do. Tell your secretaries. I got 14 secretaries. Tell your secretaries, don't call me. Don't call me until I contact you. And just close the door in your office. Right in the middle of your millions. And just bow yourself down before God right in your office when you think you don't have time. And just worship the Lord God and just worship Him. Don't ask Him for a bunch of things, just worship Him. Worship Him and worship Him and praise Him. It won't be very long until your office will be full of God's presence. Your office. You mean God comes in offices? If you'll worship Him, He will. Why do you think I have 12 businesses? With no problems. Oh, really? Well, I mean, nothing but IRS. And if, you make, <clears throat> and if you make any money, they always camp at your door. Somebody asked me, Robert, says, how long has the IRS been checking you? I said, 30 years. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Well, I mean, how come you over here? I don't understand this $65,000 deposit over here in this bank that you made six years ago. I mean, how come you? I said, six years ago, man. I was, I made so many deposits since then. I said, what, you expect me to remember that? Oh, no, I can see my brother. I said, oh, brother. Then you got to go back and think, you know, well, what was it six years ago? I made the money, 65,000. I mean, I used to pray and God would show me, yeah, well, you did this and so forth, you know. And they go, oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah. Just shakes them up. I mean, he shakes them up. 
They can't believe a man would take in as much money as I do in my ministry and in my life and not take it all and leave town. I said, I don't even make a salary. I gave him my testimony the other day in the office. I told him how the Spirit of God come up on me and everything. I said, I don't even count the offering money. IRS men, listen to me. I don't count the offering money. Do you understand me? I don't count the offering money. I've never taken one paycheck from the ministry in 25 years. I don't even count the offering money. I have secretaries to do it that's honest and dependable. Black and trust. Do you understand that? They just looked at me. The lawyer says, well, I didn't want to hear that. No, they didn't want to hear They want to hear about you taking, you know, a few million and leaving town. I said, well, they just might as well forget it. I said, now worship God. I said, Jesus is my business partner. And I walked the floor. Now, now look at me, church. Businessmen, look up here. I walked the floor in my office. The reason it's so easy for me. And I say, Jesus, you're the best businessman I ever met. You are my business partner. These businesses and ministries and churches and orphanages and things, they will not wait me down. It would be a privilege and an honor for me to do what I can for people to help them. I speak success upon my business in Jesus' name. Satan, I bind you and I command you to take your hand off of my businesses. I claim profits to come into my business in Jesus' name. When my P&L statements come out, I want to see profits and not debits. I don't want the debits to overlap the profits. I speak thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of profits to come in in my business in Jesus' name. To do work for the Lord and to buy what I need, I claim it to come in in Jesus' name thousands and thousands. Stupid people say hundreds. <laughs> Dumb people don't say anything. They just kind of wait around, see if God wants to or not. No, God does what you do. If you walk the floor and make Jesus your business partner, he'll become your business partner. Do you understand that? If you make Jesus your healer, he will heal you. Now listen to me closely. I do the same thing, I do exactly the same, on the same level for a person that's dying with cancer or the life stages of lupus where the doctors will say, there's not one chance in 10 million for you to live. I said, I know they will live. If you'll let me minister to them, they'll live. They won't die, they'll live. I make them sit right there in the chair and watch me. If the doctor said, I'm going to be dead in four weeks, I'm the last stages of lupus. I said, no, you won't be dead in four weeks. I'm going to make that lupus leave you. Lupus is an enemy. And I said, Jesus is going to become your healer. You sit there and watch. All right, you sit there and watch. Jesus, just like you're my business partner and just like you're my Savior, Heavenly Father, I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my healer. Jesus, you are my divine healer. Your divine healing power is flowing through my body to drive out all lupus in Jesus' name. Lupus, you have no right to my body. My body was made by God and my body belongs to God. You have no right to my body, lupus, in Jesus' name. Lupus, I take authority over you and I command you, get out of me in Jesus' name. You can't stay in my body because I say you can't. I say you can't. You know why you can't stay in my body, lupus? 
You know why? Because I've accepted Jesus and I confess him as my divine healer. Jesus, you are my healer. Jesus, you are my healer. Jesus, you are my healer. Jesus, you are healing me right now. Jesus, you're healing me now. Jesus, you're healing me now. I can take any patient that's dying with disease and sit them down and let them watch me. And let them watch me for about 30 minutes. Then I says, now, you do this. Come over here. Now, they haven't been used to doing it, so they don't know what to do. I said, let, let me see you do it. And they'll start off like this. Uh, Jesus, uh, 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 I love you in Jesus. Uh, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, uh, I said, no, 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 no. I said, that won't work. I said, you'll be dead in three weeks. It won't work. I said, you don't even know what you're talking about. I said, give me your hand, honey. Give me your hand, darling. She said, give me your hand. I said, now you walk with me, and I'm going to walk with you until you get it. I said, you don't have it yet. She said, I, I know it, but I'm trying to get it. I said, well, stop trying and get it. I said, now, look, look, look. I said, Jesus, you are my divine healer. I accept you as my healer. Lupus, you have no right in my body. Cancer, you are a lie. You're not going to stay in my body. The Lord Jesus Christ is healing me now. Jesus, you're healing me now. I take authority over you, cancer, and I command you, go from me. And so, I said, when, now before I ever start that, I say, have you worshipped God today? And they say, no. I said, oh my God, don't ask him to heal you unless you worship him. I said, let's worship him first. So we worship the Lord for a while first. I said, now, now listen, church. I tell him, I said, now then, you have a right to ask him to heal you. I bet some of you didn't know that. Unless you worship Jesus, you don't have a right to ask him for anything. And besides that, most of the time he won't do it unless you worship him. That's the reason people live in a world of wondering. It don't come. If you worship God and then claim your rights in Christ Jesus, he will do anything for you. Number one, worship. Put a little dash besides worship and put the word do. Just deal, that's all. Worship, dash, do. Number two, word. W-O-R-D. That means bury your face in the Bible and keep it there. God said, I am. Jesus said, I am my word. I've sent my word to heal you. I am my word and I was the word and I'll always be the word. All right, the word. Dash. Read and study God's word. Read and study God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number three. This is where some of you have trouble. I had a lot of trouble with number three. Years ago, I had a lot of trouble with number three. Because I had a Baptist mind and a Baptist background. Number three, will. Give your will over to God. What does that mean? That means the prayer you prayed this morning, the, the model prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden until his sweat turned to blood. Father, let thy will be done in my life. Mind. Oh God, let thy will be done in my life, Father, not mine. Let thine will be done, not mine, Lord. 
give your will over to God. Will dash give yours. Now these footnotes are me, not the Bible. Dash from will give yours. Number four, weapons. Weapons. Put a dash beside of weapons and put use. Just write your use, U-S-E, that's all. Weapons, use. You use them as the Spirit wills. Weapons. What are weapons? Weapons, you will find the weapons of God in the Spirit world. In the 12th chapter, put that down, 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now these four kings, they had seven weapons. You have nine weapons now. The weapons of God, the gifts of the Spirit, are the same in the Old Testament as the New, except the New Testament, there's been two added. There's been tongues, interpretation of tongues, added to the seven gifts of the Spirit, the seven weapons. Now you've got nine weapons. Now you use them as the Spirit wills. Tell God you're available for them. You use them as the Spirit wills. All right, number five, warfare. These four kings recognized they were in a warfare with the devil. David finally recognized, after having a man killed and going to bed with his wife, man, I'm in a war with the devil. Somebody's trying to kill me. He'd go to the hillside. He couldn't even find God for a long time. He'd say, hey, is there nobody that cares for my soul? Who cares for my soul? I can't even find God. But he finally found him, even though he committed murder and adultery, stole a man's wife. He finally found God because he sought God for so long. And God finally said that David is a man after mine own heart. And he made him wealthy. Not only forgave him, my brother and sister, not only forgave him, he made him wealthy. You may be in the gully tonight with adultery all over you. A bottle of Jack Daniels may be laying beside of you. You may have needle marks in your arm. You've been on drugs. God will take you if you'll let him and make a new creature out of you and make you wealthy. And I don't mean just wealthy financially. I mean wealthy spiritually. But you have to recognize what the devil has done to you. You have to hate the works of hell. You're in a war, my brother and sister. You're not in a war with Brother Strader. You're not in a war with your Christians, brothers and sisters. You're not in a war with me. You're in a war with cancer. You're in a war with lupus. You're in a war with whiskey. You're in a war with drugs. You're in a war with crazy, goofy people. You just have to love them. You're living in a world that's full of devils and fighting traffic. One of these days you get to heaven, lupus and cancer and goofy people and traffic will be over. No wonder your nervous wreck sometimes. My God. Fighting demons all the time and goofy people and everything else. Traffic. That's the reason come to church. That's the reason God said, come to church. When the doors open, come, come. And raise your hands up to me and worship me and be blessed. Get all those crazy devils off of you that's been trying to mess you up all week. Come to church. 
Oh, it's wonderful to come to church. Now, congregation, I'm going to stop here. I mean, you might as well give roses while somebody's living. You know what I mean by that statement? I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and appreciate this church and appreciate your dedication to God. I sat there this morning and I watched you. I guarantee you had been the first Baptist would have left. <laughs> After Brother Strader preached this morning, you sat here and prayed, most of you did, and watched him join in with praying for the sick. And he laid his hands so sweetly and gently on so many, many sick people. Which is scriptural to do that. And you stuck right with him until the service was over. I mean, I just want to tell you that I appreciate your dedication to God and to stick in there with your pastor and let the Holy Spirit lead him and, and be right behind him. Be right behind him. Don't rush out to go watch TV. I've already watched it. There's nothing on there anyway. <laughs> Warfare, recognize you're in a war, my brother and sister, with diseases and temptations. Of all kinds. Learn to say no to the devil. Number six. Oh, wait a minute. Beside the warfare, put know your enemy. Know your enemy. Jesus is the best person you ever knew, but the thing of it is, you don't have to worry about Jesus because he loves you. You better know your enemy so you can use Jesus' name and fight him and resist him. And did you know something, church? If cancer comes and tries to visit you, if you would take authority right then in Jesus' name and say, Cancer, I'm talking to you. I resist you in Jesus' name. No, you don't. You're not going to get on my body. You're not going to get in my body. Cancer, no, you don't. In Jesus' name, I resist you. Cancer, I curse you. In Jesus' name, you get out of my body. No, you don't. You're not going to mess me up. You're not going to kill me. I bind you. I command you, cancer, come out of me. Get out of my body in Jesus' name. No, you don't. If you'll stand and resist that thing every day, it'll disappear. It'll disappear. You don't even need me or anybody else if you knew how to do it. You can get from God, listen to me church, anything that I can get Jesus to do, and I don't know everything, I just know a few things. Anything that I can get Jesus to do, you can get him to do it. All you have to do is learn how to do it. Everybody say there's all power. All power. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Everybody say from now on. I'm going to take authority over the devil. Something that visits me that I don't like, I'm going to take authority over it. And I'm going to resist it. And I'm going to make it leave me. I'm going to claim success. Spiritually first. Then for my business. And for my family. That I can provide for my family. And give this church a lot of money to bring souls into the kingdom of God. Always remember this church, you cannot give God. Now I'm telling you, you cannot give Him. Number six, 
work w-o-r-k put a dash and say do then put a dash beside the do and put no lazy days well I can prove it to you from the Bible if I had time if I had about a week to teach you I can prove it to you from the Bible that God listen to me closely God does not bless easy people financially God don't bless lazy people. God said if you don't work, don't eat. God likes for you to be up and be about your work. Working and thinking and doing things is good for your mind. Keep your mind exercised. Keep your mind exercised. Do you know that working, doing things, having responsibilities is good for you? Did you know that it's good for you? Not only good for you, it's good for your children. Make a little more, take out the garbage. Oh, well, I'm going to do everything for my children because I can do it. No, you'll wreck them. Make your children accept responsibility. And the quicker you do it, the quicker you do it, the stronger they are. I mean, if you possibly can, teach your children how to swim when they're real young. Many people lose their children they drown because they don't know how to swim. I mean, I've been in places you could not believe, the places I've been into where they lost their children. I said, well, why don't you teach the child how to swim? Well, I don't know. I just didn't, you know. Well, when you get to be a teach them how to swim. Teach your children how to take out the garbage. Give your children duties to do and little chores to do and make them do it. And if they don't do it, Pop them once or twice. And, oh, really? I was raised by an old-fashioned Baptist woman that was a prayer warrior. And she was real strict. She would let us sit, my mother would let us sit on the beds or nothing like that after she made them up, boy. If we sat on the beds, she'd pop you back here and you wouldn't sit on them again, I guarantee you that. I mean, in the olden days, she used to make, me, she used to make us go out and get a hickory off the tree. We call it a hickory. Off the tree. I pick all the little ones. <laughs> then she'd go out and get one. If mom was too little, she'd go out and get one herself. I found out that I'd better pick one about medium size because she'd get a great big long one. <laughs> and when she got through with you, you felt like the tree had fell on you. <laughs> oh, mercy. Number six, work. Don't be lazy, my brother and sister. God does not bless laziness. The seventh one kind of startled me, but after I, after I prayed about it and I began to see it, I could see why. The seventh and the last one that God said that these four kings did because he made them prosperous, winnings, W-I-N-I-N-G-S, winnings, winnings. That, what does that mean? You have a winning attitude. Winning, winning, winning. Have a winning attitude. All right, put a dash. My attitude. Like the football players at the University of Florida. Winning attitude. Didn't work yesterday, did it? <laughs> well, maybe the boys from Georgia had a stronger one. But you know how it is. Florida will probably beat them next year. You know how that goes. But I don't care. Now, now, okay, 
University of Georgia beat Florida yesterday like, I don't know, 26 to 3 or something. And uh, uh, now, but see, Kerbin Bell, you remember Kerbin Bell? The quarterback at the University of Florida for the last four years. Up for the Heisman Trophy last year, you remember him? He had his knee all messed up last year and couldn't play in the Auburn game and couldn't play in the Florida State game and couldn't play in any of them. And I was over at Daytona Beach. Rafferty got his knee all messed up. He had this stuff around his knee at the University of Florida. They brought him. Did you know he was a Christian boy? His wife and mother and father brought him to me in a meeting where I was at. They went to the University of Florida and got him. He could not play no more. That was it. Towards the end of the season. They're going to play Auburn. University of Florida was going to play Auburn the next week. This is, I think, year before last. Going to play Auburn the next week. They brought him to me. I called him up. They sent me a note and said, we want you to pray for him. I laid hands up and asked him. I asked God to give him a miracle in his knee. On a Friday night, the University of Florida medical had it all messed up here, all this thing around it. I asked God to give him a miracle on Friday night, and he went to practice on Monday. And he, and they beat Auburn the next weekend. He threw, a, he threw a touchdown pass right at the end of it and beat Auburn the next weekend. Glory to God forever. Now, it's, <laughs> now listen to me closely. Now this is speaking from the natural standpoint. Those boys at University of Florida, they got beat by Georgia pretty bad yesterday. But take those coaches, now listen to me closely, and you, you should be stronger than this. They can't let down. Because if they don't keep a winning attitude, Florida State will stop University of Florida in a few days. Well, they will if they don't keep a winning attitude. They've got to go in there with more of a winning attitude. Everything you go into, think about winning. Think about winning. Don't never think about defeat. Did you ever think about this? In God, there's no defeat. Did you ever stop and think about that? In God, there's no defeat. In God, there's no defeat. Keep a winning attitude all the time, all the time, all the time. Now tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow night and the rest of the night we'll get involved in whatever God wants us to. But tonight, I want to get you used to doing the best things and the first things first, my brother and sister. First things first. So tonight, first of all, if you're dying with a disease, there's something wrong, and you need help, I want you to come right now from all over the congregation, if you will, and I want you to just boldly get up out of your seat. I want you to come down here, and I want you to bow down before God, and I want you to begin to worship Him. Now, behind them, I want you to come if you're lost. Now, businessmen, all of you men and women that's in trouble in business, or if you're interested and having your business to go forward and making more money than what it's making, or if you're in trouble with business, I want you to come tonight and get behind them, and I want you to bow down on your knees and begin to worship God and throw your business over on the Lord. You've got to have first things first, my brother and sister. You can't put first things last. You've got to learn to put first things first.
So if that covers your case, if you want help along those lines tonight, I want, now you don't have to do it to me. I don't want you to do it to me. You don't have to show me anything. I want you to show God that you will get up out of your seat and come and bow down before Him and just begin to worship Him. Just that simple.